the 119th Psalm. A commentary by John Calvin. My soul cleaves to the dust. Quicken me according to your word. I've declared my ways and you heard me. Teach me your statutes. Make me to understand the way of your commandments and I will meditate of your wondrous works. My soul melts with very heaviness. Raise me up according to your word. Take from me the way of lying and grant me graciously your law. I have chosen the way of truth and your judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck to your testimonies. O Lord, do not confound me. I will run the way of your commandments when you shall enlarge my heart. David chose in these eight verses what the joy and contentment of the children of God ought to be. And this is a doctrine most profitable for us. For there is not a man who does not long to have the things that make content and delight him. But there is none of us who holds a proper middle ground. So much the more, therefore, ought we rightly to record the lesson here contained, to wit, that all our rejoicing is accursed and will come to an evil end if we look not to God and to his word. Lo, therefore, here he says, my soul cleaves unto the dust. Quicken me according to thy word. David confesses here that he was driven to an extremity. For behold what he means by this saying, that his soul, or life, cleaves unto the dust, as if he should have said, O Lord, there is nothing that I more looked for than my grave. I am like to be a poor castaway and a forlorn creature. Now whether or to whom should he have recourse, even unto God he desires to be restored. And how may that be? According to the promise which he has received, we see then whether and to whom we must have recourse in all our necessities. And so much for the first point. The second is, when that we shall have had our refuge to God, we might find in him wherewith fully to rejoice us. Thus much then for the second. The third is that if we will obtain to be restored at God's hands, we, being as it were dead and confounded, should look unto his promises. For behold, he will give us encouragement to come to him. We have here then a good admonition, and a very profitable one. That is, that as often as we shall be overwhelmed with all the misery that can be, we should yet look unto God, because then he will seek after us more than ever he did before, willing us to come to him. But here we are to note, that there is not any so great a misery which ought to let and stay us from coming straight on to him. For David confesses that he had become as a dead man. When then we shall be even as it were at the last cast, as we say, that we can no more, that we should be as a man would say, oppressed and overcome with sorrow and grief. Yea, and that the grave even gapes to swallow us up, let us not for all that cease to beseech God to restore us, for it belongs properly to him. When he has appealed and brought us to death's door to restore and quicken us again, but we are to understand that we must not come to him after a hypocritical manner. We must not require him to restore us, and yet have our minds wandering here and there, 
neither yet must we seek for that thing in the world which we make countenance to seek for at his hands. We must not make us two ways to the wood, as we say, but our whole delight and content must be in God and in his grace. Did it suffices us to have him only and to feel his mercy and compassion towards us? And when we have gotten that, to be contented only with it. But because we cannot come to God without himself drawing us, when, as we desire him to restore us and to stretch out his hand to us, we must add there to this saying here expressed, that he will quicken us according to his word. Now by this, as I have already said, we are taught that in the midst of death we find salvation and health because the promises of God never fail us. So follows the second verse. I have declared my ways, and you heard me. Teach me your statutes. Here David alleges another reason that God hears him, namely, that this is not the first time that he had heard him, nor that God is merciful and liberal to grant to his faithful their petitions and requests. But we indeed must, in continuing the manner which we are here in hand to open, be thoroughly assured and resolved that it is not in vain when we make our prayers to God. Nor do we lose our labors, but that our prayers shall profit us. We must, therefore, be fully resolved in this. And how must that be? David even very now alleged to God his promises, assuring himself that he received them through his mere mercy and goodness. And this is no full hardiness. Even so, then, let us in no case fear to come to God boldly and cheerfully upon this condition, yea, so long as we build upon his promises. We must not come to him according to our own fantasies, neither must we allege and say, My God, I present myself here before your majesty because I think or suppose that you ought to hear me. This were too fond and lewd arrogance. But to say, alas, my good God, it is very true that I am not worthy to come near to your presence, and although it shall seem to me that I might approach to you, yet must I pull back that foot again. Nevertheless, since you bid me to come to you, and have commanded me to call upon you, and promise also to hear me, lo, hear, my God, the cause which makes me so bold, not to doubt to come to you, because I believe your word. And now, O Lord, I stand in no doubt that you will not receive me when as I thus build upon your promise. After David had used his kind of speech to stir himself up to pray to God, and also to obtain his request, he adds, O Lord, I have acknowledged my ways, and you heard me. As if he should have said, Over and beside your promise, my God, there is another reason which emboldens me and encourages me to come to you the experience which you have showed to me of your great goodness. I never required anything of you in my necessity, but you did hear me, but that you satisfied my request, but that I felt how you have relieved your servants and have always been ready to succor them in their distress. Yea, O Lord, and that you have not tarried, nor waited until they came to you, but you have even offered yourself first to them. Seeing then, it is so that you have showed yourself to be so good and liberal. Oh, I now doubt not but that you will continue the same goodness 
Therefore I beseech you, teach me your statutes. See here a text worthy the marking. For as I have said before, we must not come to God doubting and wavering, but with full resolution that he will hear us. And how is that? Oh, we have a most sure and infallible testimony. He has promised to be near unto all those who shall crave and beg of him in truth. We may then say, We beseech you, O Lord, to have regard to us according to your word. It is very true that we are unworthy that you should be so careful over us. But so it is, that having your word and promise we may boldly come to you, and besides, let us add to this the experience which God has already showed us, that he never forgets his, but preserves and keeps them, and always watches over them. And why so? That we ought to be much more heedful than we are of all the benefits of God, to the end we might come to this consideration of the reason which David here brings in that we might say unto God that he has heard us. Now there are very few of us who can do this. And why is this so? Because that when we are in any distress, we never think to call upon God. Yea, although the grief or disease press and grieve us never so much, and yet, if we do then call upon him, it is so that as soon as we have escaped the danger, we will not acknowledge it to be God that has had pity and compassion on us. But it is quite out of memory, and trodden clean underfoot. Because then we remember not the benefits of God, lo, what is the cause why we cannot say when we come afresh to pray, O Lord, Thou hast heard me. For as I have before said, our unthankfulness hinders us, that we cannot have any such experience in practice to pray to God incessantly. And see also, what is the cause of our so cold and faint prayers? For if we were ready to call to mind the graces of God, oh, we should be sure and certain to be always fenced when as we meant to present ourselves before him to say, Alas, my God, this is no novelty to me. Neither ought I, Lord, to think it strange to present myself before you, for you have granted me free access and liberty. This is not the first time that you have done me good. Now I have felt your favor by experience, even from my youth. And when, as I shall speak of the number of times which you have heard me, I shall find them infinite. I may very well, then, repose and put all my trust in you, hoping that you will continue your goodness towards me, as you are always ready so to do. Now, because we are so unthankful to God as not to acknowledge his benefits, as becomes us, and as to him appertains, Lo, hear why we cannot benefit ourselves by this confession and truth to confirm our hope to come to him. It should be good for us. We are to note that we must not deal with God. It's with mortal men. For if any man has done us a favor, we may truly say, as we commonly do, I shall be the more beholden to you, because you have already bound me there too. This shall come in amongst the rest. But yet, if we shall have borrowed much of any man, we shall be ashamed that we have troubled him so often. But the case stands not so between God and us. And why so? For God is never weary of well-doing as men are, and besides, he never diminishes his substance when he does us any good. If any man bestows his good liberally upon us, he has so much the less. If he give his word for us, he will say, 
This is all that I can do for you. But God so abounds in riches that it is like to a spring which can never be drawn dry, and the more that it is drawn out of, the greater abundance is to be seen. So then we must not be afraid to come unto God when he shall have bestowed upon us stores of wealth, and that we shall be so much bound to him as is possible to be thought. But the same ought to make us a bolder, as David here declares to us. And of this are many like saints in the scripture. O Lord, says Jacob, I was never worthy of the benefits which you have bestowed upon me, but yet you have so bountifully dealt with your servant, is that I must needs call upon your name continually. See, then, how God moves us to come familiarly to him, by reason that he shows himself so liberal, and has his hands wide open, to the end he might give us whatsoever we stand in need of. And when, as we shall have continued thus all the days of our life, we ought to more boldly to call upon him as David himself shows us by his example. Verse 32. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge mine heart. When he says that when God has set his heart at liberty, he will run. It is to show to us that when our hearts are enclosed and fast shut up, that we are not able so much as to move one of our fingers in well-doing, until such time as God gladdens us and shows us a merry countenance. Now David in this first place declares to us that we are able to do nothing except God stirs us up there too. And although he has already solicited and admonished us, yet that is not all. We should cry out and alas and pour out some sighs and groans. But because God will be served with a cheerful mind, and not with an evil will, so long as we are fashioned up, we cannot once stir out of the place to go forward in the way of salvation. And how can we then run? When as he shall have set our heart at liberty, that he shall have so disposed and ordered us as that we should freely bend ourselves and wholly yield our affections to him. For otherwise... We, having our hearts fast shut up, shall always become the bond slaves of sin. It is very true that while we are in this world, we never run so fast nor yet so perfectly as is required of us. Yea, we shall many times go as it were halting where indeed we should make haste. But this it is with us that whenever he shall govern us with his spirit, and that we shall be under the conduct of our head and captain Jesus Christ, we may say with David that we do not only walk in his commandments, but that we also run in them, yea, so that our affection be not hypocritical, and that our zeal be also fervent to addict ourselves to our good God, since he has placed us in the world to this end, to obey him and to glorify his holy name. And according to this doctrine, let us prostrate ourselves before the face of our good God, and acknowledging our sins, beseeching him, that would it please him to make us to feel our sins and iniquities more and more, and that it would also please him to make us so to remember them that we may learn to acknowledge how necessary it is for us to be more and more increased and confirmed in his graces which he bestows upon us, to the end, that in allowing and esteeming us his benefits as it becomes us, we may render to him our humble and hearty thanks, 
beseeching him also to continue us in such sort in his holy vocation as that we may be glorified in the latter day in having fought a good fight, and that we may enjoy the prize and reward of the victory to triumph in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us beseech him that he will not give us this grace, but also all the people and the nations of the world. Amen.